What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Behind the Facade. In today's show, I sit down with Dave Goodfellow from Chester in the UK. Now, Dave specializes in the serviced accommodation sector, which often falls under the name of holiday letting or Airbnb. Now, it is just basically another investment strategy that I do think you should be aware of. And what I found particularly interesting in this discussion with Dave is how he turned what should have been a total disaster for his business, that is the COVID-19 pandemic, when all the lockdowns came along, how he turned that into a huge opportunity for him and his business partner's business to grow. As he put it, he ran towards the fire. And just by being resourceful and by having the right mindset, he managed to quadruple the size of the portfolio during the pandemic. So yes, I do think you're going to get a lot of value from today's episode. So without further ado, let's jump into my conversation with Dave Goodfellow. You are listening to Behind the Facade. I am your host, Gavin J. Gallagher, and on this podcast, I explore the mental and emotional game often playing out subconsciously in your mind and the mind of everyone else in the real estate or property investment market. The key to success in this game is to master your mindset, your behavior, to take control of your thoughts, your emotions, and most importantly, your ego. Welcome to the show. Dave Goodfellow, welcome. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks. Thanks very much for having me. Really, really appreciate you having me on. Not at all, Dave. It's a pleasure. And where does this podcast find you today? Where are you at the moment? I'm actually over in Chester, sat in my uh, my offices for the, I've got a, a training academy, Iconic Training Academy. I'm sat in the office right now. So. Lovely, lovely. And we're going to get into all of the different uh, interesting things that you've been doing in the last while. But just for the purpose of the audience, giving them a little bit of context, can you just tell us who is Dave and uh, what does he do? Yeah, for sure. No problem. So um started my career. Uh, wow. I've turned, turned 40 last week. So a week, be- week before last, I've already lost the week. Um, so 20 years ago, I started out in the home improvements industry, booking service engineers and uh, worked myself up to an ops director there. Um, went through the ranks, kind of went through all sorts of different things um uh, worked at all different levels and did all sorts of different jobs in that which kind of built me out to where I am today really um when I when I was working for them though I was working away um going away on a Sunday evening coming back on a Friday evening feeling like a zombie for two days and then getting packed up and going again and my, my missus fell pregnant and I was like oh, I can't do this forever right I can't keep it going so I've got to think about another way of getting into something different to earning money um, so I started reading a load of books. While I was doing all my traveling, I got onto all sorts of different mindset books and uh, business books and property was the one that always kept coming back to me and it kind of resonated with me. Um, I'd been in property before, but I didn't really know what I was what I was doing, if that makes sense. Accidental landlord. Pardon? The accidental landlord. Absolutely. So I was kind of in property. I've been in property for 10 years. I was flipping property 10 years ago because I was a project manager at the time. So I had all the trades around me um, and I flipped a number of properties, but I didn't really know it was called flipping back then. Made loads of mistakes as well, but I won't go into that because I've probably made more mistakes than we could there sit and have in a, in a podcast. Um, but they're character building, right? They're the things that you, you learn exactly. from. It's not a mistake if you learn from it. 
um, so 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 on. So I bought, built out a uh, a number of flips. Then I um, had a small buy to let portfolio. Um, got really sick of that, not being able to get pain in the ass tenants out essentially. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I changed. I got I've got this one tenant that I couldn't get out, and she was just a nightmare. Still owes me about four and a half grand today. And I said to myself, right, how can I change this up so I can be in more control over my own properties? And so the, 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 the serviced accommodation word come up. So I kind of switched my uh, buy-to-let portfolio to that. Um, started that up three and a half years ago. Um, realized pretty quickly that I needed to gain cash from that. It was a really good cash flow strategy, but I was getting chumps out from my flipping and I needed to, you know, um, do something different that brought me more cash in from each each bill. So I went into rent to service accommodation, so renting other people's properties, selling them by the, the night rather than by the month, um, getting all the juicy benefits from that, uh, creating cash flow, then buying more property. Um, and then we got into, after building our own little portfolio out, we got into service accommodation management, so just managing other people's properties for them and taking a, taking a cut of the deal, I suppose. Um, and I've done that for the last three and a half years, built that out. And we're now sort of acquiring um, old guest houses or hotels that are a bit run down. We, we, we say we're looking for faulty towers hotels, right? So Basel Faulty, pass us your number. We'll, we'll take your hotel off your buy it. And then we, we are then refurbishing them and turning them into um, apart hotels. So right. Very, very, um, very hands off take all the operational space out. And when I say operational space, I mean sort of, uh, you know, the food, the beverage, any reception, that all comes out. We do it all hands off. It's all very techy. Um, we use smart locking systems and stuff to get people in. Right. And we're building out them at the moment. We've got a pipeline of them uh, coming up. Um, and the plan for the next five to 10 years is to build out 15 to 20 of those as a group structure, an opco, propco company, and then sell it on to somebody who wants to buy it for chumpy money. Nice one. That well, sounds like a good strategy. And and tell us, I mean, when I think of serviced accommodation, um, it's interesting you were saying rent to service accommodation. So you're that's a kind of a piece of the pie that I hadn't considered. You're talking about hotels as well. Is that, um, I mean, bed and breakfast would also work, would it? Or is it specifically kind of hotel area? Yeah, so what, in terms of what we're looking for, um, we're looking for old guest houses, bed and breakfasts, hotels, but we, we, we don't want the headache of having to cook breakfast. Or of course. To, yeah, yeah. to <laughs> pints, pints or anything like that. We just want to take all that stuff out, but we change that space to what we call rentable space. Right, I get you. So, or, or where we can build another bedroom or another couple of bedrooms and, and sell that space as somewhere for people to, to accommodate people rather than for them to eat or drink. And in terms of the length of duration of, of a stay, what, what would your typical stay be? Um, that depends. It very much depends on the area, this, right? right? So from a serviced accommodation perspective, when you're looking for a property, you want something that's going to give you what I call the sweet spot. So the sweet spot is where you get four days in the week filled with contractors or business days, uh, and then your weekend stays are leisure. Um, so what you're looking for is somewhere where you can, you know, there's business, leisure, family travel, and then leisure at leisure. And you don't need your, 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 um, your, the sun and a towel to be able to visit that city. So one of our um, main areas is Chester. 
So Roman city, it's, you know, Chester Zoo is the most visited tourist attraction outside of London in the UK. It's just got lots of different elements to it that really work as serviced accommodation. Right. So in terms of the length of stay, the, the sweet spot is four and two. Um, Cause normally you, you, Two nights of the weekend or whatever, yeah. Yeah, your Sunday is normally a dead day. You can get a Sunday, then great. But you can get that sweet spot between the two. That's fun. That's that's a really good place to be. So uh, answer yeah, the question. Yeah, no, that's good. I mean, so it's six days out of seven. Seven, it's pretty much let if yeah. if you can, yeah. And I mean, from the point of view of how much management is involved, because I mean, my my impression is that when you're into that kind of thing, you've obviously got to have people in every day to kind of tidy it up and all that kind of stuff. Does it involve having to have a lot of people working for you or can you do all of that outsourcing it now? It most certainly does. I mean, look, when people get into serviced accommodation, what they what they tend to tend to look at is cash flow, right? And how much cash you're going to make. We call this the SA iceberg. So the cash flow at the top, what they don't understand is what's beneath that, right? Yeah. All these operational responsibilities, that you've got to you've got to understand from a service accommodation point of view. So you've got lots of moving parts. You've got people checking in, people checking out, cleaners going in, maintenance teams going in and out. You've got you know your your linen that you've got to go and collect. You've got lots of different things that all come together at once, and they all sing and dance together. And with if they're not joined up, you can just ever crappy experience a real, a real problem on your hands, right? Yeah, yeah. So essentially what we do is we have a system in the background that kind of looks after all that. We have some great teams and we've got a cleaning, our own cleaning team that we've created a company for and a, a, a maintenance company now as well. Um, so we, we kind of work on them. We didn't used to, we used to use outsource that. They've come in now. Uh, we have a system around that. So everybody can go into one place and look what they have to do. And it's all scheduled out and it all works in the background. Don't don't ask me how that works because that's my business partner's job to do that. He's the techie guy that makes it makes the glue stick together in all the, all yeah. the different things that are happening. But yeah, you've got to have the way I the way I position serviced accommodation, right? And this may offend some property people out there. But running serviced accommodation is like running a proper business. Okay, so it's got lots of elements to it. You know, you've got to have guest services, you've got customers and guests coming in and out of your properties. You've got so much more to it than just, you know, buying a property, setting it and forgetting it. Serviced accommodation is not that strategy unless you've got a managing agent coming in and doing it all for you that can take all that off your hands. And they are few and far between. Yeah, yeah. Of course, we and, are one of those managing agents, by the way. Yeah, that's what I figured. <laughs> <laughs> and tell me this, Dave, in terms of, I mean, speaking to, if you were talking to, say, somebody who has a property and is currently renting it as either just a single buy to let uh, or as a HMO or something like that, I mean, how much more complicated is turning it going for the service to accommodation? And is it, does it significantly improve your, your income? to kind of go down that road can you just explain that's a great great question right so and i'm going to use the d word depends right (laughs) so service accommodation is very very much dependent on the location of the of of, of the unit uh the criteria of a unit because even areas can work but areas within areas work as well so location 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 is really really important 
the criteria of property is important too. So in some cities or towns or places that we operate, you know, a four bedroom house will do really well. In other areas, a studio will do very well, but vice versa, they could also do very, not, not do so well. So we have to do a lot of data led decision-making, which we get a lot of software uh, data from our software that we use internal software and external software that gives us, um, you know, occupancy rates, price per nights, all that sort of juicy stuff that will tell us what works and what doesn't. Um, now, I say there's always four things you need to make sure that you totally understand in service accommodation before you get into it and make understand whether it works, right? And those four things are uh, fixed costs, understanding them, what's that property going to cost you, um, whether you're going to be renting it or not, okay? Uh, number two is your variable costs. So that's, uh, you know, your cleaning costs. So when people are coming in and out, what does that, what is it going to cost you in terms of the turnover and the cleans and all that sort of jazz? Uh, number four and five, sorry, number three and four work in together and they are occupancy rates and, and price per night or average daily rate. Now, if those two things don't work in tandem together or all those four things work in tandem together, then that property may not work. So there's quite a lot of moving parts there. It is um, a lot. And I mean, from the point of view of figuring out whether or not, because presumably this is one of the reasons why you don't, you also manage properties for people. You don't necessarily want to go and buy it, I guess, because you don't know how it's performing at the outset until you've got your hands in underneath the hood and you're kind of, okay, this works nicely. It would be a good one to buy. But prior to that, you're kind of in the blind a bit. Um, you can you can be if you don't understand how to analyze the market properly, right? So right. if you don't know how to analyze a, a, a serviced accommodation property, yes, you're absolutely right. We won't take a property on unless we understand those numbers in detail. We know that that property is going to work. And our forecasting tells us on a monthly basis that we're going to wear X amount of pounds in this property. And we can do that from the from the, the, the deal analyzers that we use. Right. But my business partner, again, is a an ex um, analyst. So he's um, he was a senior analyst for Bank of America. So he uses all these sexy tools, if you like, to help us understand what works and what doesn't. I get it. Right. Yeah. I mean, how important is it from your perspective? I mean, you've got a business partner. One, you look after property. He looks after the data and stuff. How important is that partnership? I mean, would you be able to yang. do this? <laughs> the yin and the yang. Would you be able yin to do this on yang. your own? Would you Would you have succeeded no. on your own? No. 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 So. I think um, Chris brings balance to the force when it comes <laughs> to me and him. So I am very much the, the entrepreneur, the, the bull that goes out and, you know, wants to build Starship Enterprises and get to the moon tomorrow. And he's like, hang on a minute, Dave, let's just maybe rein that in a little bit and pull that back. And so I, I'm very much a negotiator, deal getter. I'll go out and, and organize and, and look for deals and get deals. But then he will make sure that it works if that makes sense before um, you've gone in there yeah oh yeah absolutely so the but data we, actually can tell you a lot of information absolutely we, we, we tend to do the data stuff now before we go out and visit deals so we're going in with an informed going in going in to do the deal in on an informed basis anyway so we know what we can we know what we can pay we know how much and, and once you once you start speaking to people in those terms and you've got the data in front of you it gives you much more credibility anyway, right? Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're seen as an expert straight away. Exactly that. Exactly that. Mm, interesting. But, yeah. but the yin and, and the yang thing is really important, right? 
Yeah, I would have thought, I mean, that's something that a lot of people don't necessarily get, get. And one of the areas that I'm kind of really interested in is innovation and stuff. And I can remember I've spoken to quite a few venture capitalists on this podcast in the past, and we've talked about it. And what's the importance of your technical partner, uh, your technical director is so key. These guys that come in from the industry side, so property guy got a great idea for an app or something, unless he has the tech found a co-founder with him it's just not going to work and it and it seems like something similar to what you're saying so it, serviced accommodation is obviously kind of specialist in that regard mm-hmm. is that you can kind of fumble along in the property business without having a, a sort of a tech guy alongside yeah yeah but without without that in my business I, I wouldn't be doing what i'm doing today if i'm totally honest i'd have probably tried building something on the moon and <laughs> halfway there and failed <laughs> and, and and there's an area that i'm interested in because obviously uh serviced accommodation uh airbnb it sounds kind of familiar is it very different or is there are they kind of one and the same no they're pretty much the same thing to be honest gavin yeah. you know um serviced accommodation airbnb um holiday lets you know whatever you want to call it really the the, the same same sort of thing just bundled up in a different name yeah um, all very similar view of one of the reasons i wanted to kind of get into that question was obviously the pandemic has had a big impact on people with airbnb and people with leisure and uh, the kind of hospitality sector i was interested to know how you weathered that storm because it was a pretty big storm and it and it knocked a lot of people over but you've come through it well and can you just talk to to that yeah, for sure. That's a, it's been a big, I mean, it sounds really weird, but the pandemic was, was good for us in a way. Um, so when, when everybody was kind of running away from the fire, I very much got a mindset that I don't like to give up. And when people were kind of handed their keys back and, you know, giving up on service accommodation, when Boris Johnson, our prime minister, had come on and said to every to the to the nation that you know you've got to stop traveling for leisure and business. Well, that was that was a hundred percent of our business at that at that particular time. Devastating. So absolutely. And it wiped, it wiped a lot of people out of the market, which you know sounds awful, I know, but it was a good thing for us because what did that do? It, it, it ended up being lots of people left the market. We ran towards the fire, we put it out. My, my, my whole uh, mindset around that time was just focused on trying to sell our product on the market. Um, and essentially what I had to do was break it down and look at the areas of the UK that would have been overrun in the pandemic, right? So if we think about, you know, the, 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 the areas that would be overrun, number one is going to be the, the NHS, because the NHS were just absolutely slammed with lots of cases and lots of issues. Um, and so, so my first port of call was to phone phone our local NHS and speak to them about, because I know they have accommodation on their, on their campuses. Right. So my whole thing was like, I'll phone them and I'll speak to the accommodation officer because I knew they have an accommodation officer. I spoke to them and ended up filling around about 50% of our properties at the time with... NHS staff, so doctors, nurses, radiologists, you name it, we have them in our properties. Wow. And they were staying for like a three, they were staying at three month periods. 
So they book a stay for three months, which means that, you know, the, the price per nights weren't as much as what we would be getting if we were in an open market. But because there were such long stays and our operational costs with the turnovers were so low, we still make pretty good money out of it. And then my other protocol was like, well, key workers are still going to be working, right? So people who are working in power stations, they're going to be, people are all at home now. So there's going to be more power used in the home. What's what's going to happen there? Yeah. So I started focusing on, you think you catch my drift, right? I started focusing on the areas that were going to be overrun, you know, drivers. There was lots of, um, Amazon had lots of drivers. There's loads of different areas uh, that we, we kind of focused on. and got lots of business from that. Now, our price per night during that time were not fantastic, but because we had longer stays from contractors, the operational costs were lower, and we ended up making a, making okay money out of it. But the great thing about that time is that because everybody else was leaving the market, well, that just opened us up to... Expand. Bit, right? Yeah. Expanding. So we just were just eating away at a bigger percentage of the market in our area. Um, and then we, you know, as, the, as we opened up again, we started going into different areas. We used our systems to, um, to help us do that. We can pretty much operate anywhere in the world now um, with, the, with the system that we've got. It's just a kind of cookie cutter effect, I suppose. Is that a, an, an online platform that you use or that you've created? So we, we've, we've got a bit of both, to be honest. So we, we use an online channel manager, a platform. Uh, but we've also tied in a number of different aspects to that, which just bolster it and make it a, a much better system. What you tend to find with um, channel managers is they tend to be a jack of all trades, master of none, and you need to bolt on certain things to them to make them make them sing and dance, really. Yeah, and that's what that's what that's what we do. That's, that's what brilliant. We have done. I mean, and that's a great example of being resourceful in in a situation where everyone else kind of sees only problems you actually saw opportunities so it's kind of it's, it's interesting to from a mindset point of view how you can turn it around for your in in your favor how did it i mean in terms of growing the business were you able to like what a lot of people shutting down and getting out of the market were you able to kind of grow your your stock or your you know the size of your portfolio during that time yeah, yeah, we, we we quadrupled the size of our portfolio. Quadrupled, wow. Quadrupled, it, yeah. Um, and also, we we acquired um, we've been acquiring apart hotels as well. So, where you've had um, you know pandemic hit a lot of guest houses and B and Bs and and hotels really hard because they just had to close down. We didn't have to do that because of the way we were set up. But a lot of those. Um, types of businesses they just had to close down so it really really hit them so is it the fact that you started speaking to the nhs and critical workers and stuff that allowed you to stay open uh, yeah absolutely yeah okay interesting yeah, yeah if it wasn't yeah. for that we'd have been yeah we'd have you've been told <laughs> instructed to just close the doors yeah, we'd, and have lock been, up. We'd, have been, we'd have been closing the doors um the other thing that we did as well because all of our properties are on business rates we were able to secure grants on them as well um, so the government would give a grant per property, and that helped us big time as well. Um, but we 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 were able to grow from that, um, make make some money, and then go out and start acquiring um, the apart hotels or the old guest houses that uh, were run down as well, and people couldn't afford them. So we we go in and do deals with them, and and we acquired a a, a few guest houses as well over that period of time, which we uh, we started our first kind of refurb um just a couple of weeks ago 
And in terms of acquiring those properties, did you do that from your own resources or did you bring investors in and, uh, and debt and things like that? A bit of both, a bit of both. So we, the first one, the first uh, part hotel I, I bought with my own cash um, and we've got development finance on that to develop it. Um, the second one, we are using investment finance. So we get an investor to come in and help us with that. Um, yeah, so... It's a combination, yeah. combination of different things. And I think the reason why we've done done it that way around is that we wanted to prove the model works with the first one, um, build that, and then, you know, you'll, you'll, the investors will come. Off yeah, of there's confidence. Yeah, that yeah you, exactly that. that. The credibility, credibility builds, right? Yeah, well, I mean, I think a lot of people don't like when they're when somebody's learning on the job and they're getting paid to learn on the job so by paying you're putting your own money into it you're, yeah, you're yeah. learning you're learning on the job and it, but it's your money on, on stake absolutely. absolutely tell me this in terms of mindset shifts i mean between the pandemic i mean i remember i was i was in uh, the beginning of the year in 2020 i was thinking this is going to be a great year we're going to be it's going to be, you know, the start of a new of a new decade. Every had all these great plans, and then uh, six weeks into it, you're like hearing this word COVID nineteen, and 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 you're starting to think, hmm, I wonder will it affect us? And I was actually in London giving a talk in March, and a couple of days later, the lockdown came into force, and I can remember being kind of caught off guard, not expecting it yeah. to actually happen that quickly. I mean, describe your mindset between being told that this pandemic is is taking place and the lockdowns are actually going to be something that you have to deal with yeah. to the point where you suddenly had your mindset shift and say we can actually make this you know work for us was it panic at first or or how did you deal with it i'm, I'm not going to say what i said when uh Boris <laughs> came on the came on the uh, tv and said what he said because that would, wouldn't be good for your <laughs> <laughs> listeners <laughs> for the airtime um but i think what what i did at the beginning i, I kind of I was like, oh, that's not going to happen. I kept on pushing it back, pushing it back, pushing it back, which I think a lot of people did, right? Yeah. Like, well, that's not going to happen. You know, COVID-19, what's that? It's not... And then when it hit us, it was like a reality check. It's like, wow, what are we, what are we going to do now? What is? Yeah. What, what do we need to do? And like, we've always been very much a, a business, well, my, my business, I'm always very much somebody who'll sit back, we'll set goals, we'll, we'll set targets, um, we'll make sure that we've got the end goal in mind, right? Yeah. So it was just all about, right, taking what we've t- taken where we thought we were going to be. We gave ourselves like, a, a, what, we, what we did is give ourselves like a six month, um, a six month leeway, a six month break in our original plan. And then we, we built in a new plan into the, into the new six months, gives our, give ourselves another six month goal because we knew we weren't going to grow at the extent Well, we didn't think we were going to grow to the extent of what our original plans were until we realized all these people were giving things back. But initially we were like, right, we'll give ourselves a six month break. We'll um, revisit our plans and we'll set a new end goal in mind. And we just did all the, all the, 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 the normal things that we would do, being consistent, making sure we're going out, you know, looking for the deals, analyzing all the things that we would do in a normal in a in a normal environment. We did the same, but we just reevaluated our goals and set a new end goal in mind, and that worked really well for us because I think in two ways. One, it did we, one so we didn't beat ourselves up because we did we had you know very big plans for the business for that for 2020 
And two, it was kind of like a, it was kind of like a breath of fresh air for us that we were able to kind of just sit back and go, hang on a minute, right? We don't need to put ourselves under pressure here. We're in a place where it's unprecedented. We don't know what's going to happen. So look, if something does just go a little bit awry, well, you know, we just have to run with it. If we can get through this and we can build our business through this, then we'll come out of the back of it a much stronger, more efficient business anyway, right? Mm. If we can get, if we can do the business now and we can build now, then when the markets open up again, well, guess what we'll be like then? Pole position, yeah. Yeah, we'll be in, like you say, in pole position. So we just tweaked all sorts of different things within our businesses, our systems, our people, you know, our houses. We were even going in and doing adjustments to them and making them nicer and, you know, check, looking, looking, give us time, giving us time to look back on what our guests were telling us and, you know, build a new customer journey out. There was just loads of things that we put together that just really solidified our business for where we are now. Interesting. And how do you typically fill a space? Is it booking.com or one of those kind of things? Or do you have a range of different solutions? Oh, we have, we have a range of different solutions. So, you know, booking.com and Airbnb are the, the online travel agents that we use, but we have our own website. Um, we, we do um, direct booking, uh, calls. We, we've got a, a plethora of things we do outside of the... Um, outside of the OTAs. And the reason why we kind of built those things out is because, well, we had to when we were during, when we were in the, um, in the midst because Airbnb and booking.com turned off. So we yeah. weren't getting any business from them. A hundred percent of our business was direct through our website or our, our um, activities that we. Your outreach program. Yeah, exactly. Exactly that, you know, speaking to local companies you know, getting on LinkedIn and Facebook and doing adverts and, you know, speak, connecting with people in local businesses or, you know, getting into the NHS and speaking to them or, or whatever, it, whatever it was. It was just being more, just if it did anything, it made me a lot more creative about how to pull business in. And innovative as well, yeah. And innovative, yeah, exactly that, exactly that. Interesting. Um, tell me this. So you've also, I mean, your lessons that you've gone through there are, are obviously they've they've taught you a lot of things and a lot of lessons that can be sort of passed on to others. So you've created a training academy as a result. Yes. And is that for in the whole service accommodation space? Yeah, absolutely. So our iconic training academy um again was built during the pandemic. Um, because we were still acquiring properties when people were, you know we're not and just failing we were filling our properties when people were not they were failing so we thought well what we're doing can help other people right so we created a, a training academy where we took um we did we built out training courses we did some one-to-one mentorships where we do them by zoom calls um we did uh, we built out a, a full training program online called our serviced accommodation roadmap or the SA roadmap, which went from, you know, starting up, not knowing anything all the way up to, you know, creating systems and bringing virtual assistants in and that run your business for you. So you can work on the business and not in it. Um, yeah. And we, we sold them through the, the, the pandemic too. And, and we helped, well, lots of people uh, build serviced accommodation businesses too. So, Yeah. I thought it was a 
So, and then that's the, one of the one of the things I like about the training academy is it's sounds really cheesy, but I like um, I like imparting knowledge on people. I think there's I don't think there's anything more um, satisfying than. I get it. No, that, that's one of the reasons that I started my podcast. Actually, is yeah. it's, it, there's there's a lot to be gained from it. I get a lot of satisfaction just you know helping others and, and sharing exactly. kind of. Often the time the best thing is is telling people the mistakes you've made because those are the biggest lessons really. Yeah, well, one of our strap lines is let us make the mistakes so you don't have to, right? Because <laughs> on, yeah. Because anything like you know anything that we've done in the past and we've made and we've made a lot of mistakes. Don't get me wrong, right? We've made hundreds and hundreds of mistakes, and I'm not I'm not precious about telling people that I make mistakes all the time. Now, but if I've made them, the likelihood is that I've I've got a re- resolution for that, right? Yeah. So if you come to us and you want training in service accommodation, then I'm going to be able to, if you come to me with a problem or an issue that's happened to you, I'm more than likely going to say, ah, oh, yeah, I remember this time and this is what happened. But listen, that happened to us and we lost a bit of money there, but this is what we did to put something in place to, um, to, to make sure it didn't happen again. And that's, that's valuable. Yeah. That's, that's valuable. the power of training, right. Or yeah. mentorship or whatever. Yeah, exactly. And at the end of the day, the fact that you've steered your way through this pandemic, there's an awful lot to be taught to other people on, mm. you know, in case it happens again in the future yeah. and, and basically kind of help to guide them. Dave, I, I wanted to just get your your steer on in terms of the market, like where it's at. It's obviously very, very heated up uh, in recent times. And, the, you know, the bargains that we were all finding two years ago have suddenly disappeared and there's an awful lot more people kind of buying into the market. What would your take on the market be? Like, where are we going in the next couple of years? Oof, that's a great question. So I think it depends on the, on, on the market that you're in, what you're looking to do. So if you're looking to buy single properties and, you know, do the buy, refurbish, refinance model, I think that's getting more difficult. I think because of price increases, uh, certainly within our areas that we operate in, in some, not all of them, but some areas, it's more difficult to find that value in the property. So I think going forward, I think I, I don't, we're definitely, in, in my book, I don't think we're going to see a reduction in price, house prices in the next 18 months. There's too much, there's too much money being pumped into the economy at the moment. Rishi's, you know, keep Rishi Sunak's keeping the, keeping these, uh, Keeping us um, the, on defib, the, uh, the defibrillator. <laughs> yeah, he keeps on pumping a little bit more in, and that's that's not going to stop. That's still generating business in the economy. But I think the key thing for investors right now is understanding where you can add the value to to to, to certain properties. So, for example, commercial property to residential. Where can you add value? You know, are you looking at multi units under one roof rather than doing single lets? single units i think there's there's a lot more you'll get a lot more um what's the word i'm looking for you'll gain a lot more if you start looking at value add to a building under multi let multi 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 units under one roof than what you will get from single properties at the moment yeah and there's loads of them out there you know loads of loads of strategies out there that you can use to to add value for us for example our um, serviced accommodation model, if we take a, a commercial building, we can add value to it, you know? <laughs> we can add value in different ways to what, you know, somebody else might be able to add value to it, which means we can pay a little bit more for it. 
Yeah. But I think that's the key. So understanding where that value add is and just getting that that uplift on it. Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm just I'm conscious of time, Dave. Um, I was going to ask your advice. I mean, you're now you, you said you just turned forty last week. Yeah. And uh, um, looking back on your career and knowing what you know now, if you had an opportunity to speak to your twenty year old self, what would you? What advice would you give? Uh, I'd have got myself out of my job earlier. Okay. Um, I'd have got got I'd have got mentored by somebody in the property profession, paid good money for it uh, to give me that fast track laser laser focus. Um, and I would have got into property a lot earlier than what I'd get out of my job essentially and do it full time a lot earlier. If I could go back and do that, that would be the that'd be the first thing I'd have a little quiet um, word in my ear. About now, if I had gone back though and said that to my younger self, would I have listened? Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. And the other question that, well, what, what often pops into my mind is if I had given myself all this great advice as a young lad, you would have made all this extra money and, and then you could have gone and blown it by kind Absolutely. of like, oh, look at me, yeah. I'm making all this money. My so, values, my values back then were completely different to what they are now, right? Yeah, that's the thing. It's getting it inside people's head that you need to be kind of disciplined and uh, you need to kind of keep a lid on the uh, on the kind of excitement that uh, you've made some money, yeah. you're going to give it back in another deal somewhere along the line. And so to, to just bear that in mind. Continuous investment, I would probably say to myself as well. Yeah. Keep don't just take that money and spend it. Just keep reinvesting, reinvesting, reinvesting. And at some point, that compounding effect is just going to kind of create take a care monster. Of it, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, Dave, what's the best way for people to find you if they want to reach out? Oh, wait, before we go there, I forgot to mention um, Clubhouse. Let's just tell us about your Clubhouse room because that is how you and I are connected in the first yeah. place. Yeah, yeah. So um, We Talk Property is the, is the club. We run a room every morning from 7.30 till 8.30 uh, GMT, just in case you're listening across the world. Um, it's, that's called the Property Coffee Meet. And we, we talk everything, property, mindset, anything you want. We, we, we kind of talk about in, in that room, Monday to Friday, 7.30 till 8.30. It's a great room. There's lots of great mods in there. It's very interactive uh, on Clubhouse. People come up from the audience, ask questions. We answer them. And we just have a good chat amongst ourselves. And we have a bit of fun as well. So Yeah, I can yeah. vouch for that. I've joined in a couple of times. Dave, thanks so much. Um, if somebody wanted to reach out and connect or check out your, your training or any of that kind of stuff, where, what's the best place to find you? Uh, you can find us on, on Facebook. And uh, if you, I've got a, a, a community on there, the Iconic Property Community. Uh, that's, a, that's a group. If you want to come in there and join, then feel free to do so. And you can reach me in there. And Iconic is spelled with a K just for Yes, example. it is. Iconic with a K. I-K-O-N-I-C. Thanks for that, because I wouldn't have put that in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was just thinking people are all typing in. I don't see Iconic in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right, Dave. Thanks so much for your time. And I uh, look forward to see, speaking to you again soon. Been a pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Behind the Facade. If you enjoyed it or found it useful, please take a moment to leave a review over on iTunes or indeed share it with a friend. This really helps the podcast grow and reach more people. If you have any questions, please connect with me via the Facebook group Behind the Facade community. Alternatively, you will find me on social media under my handle Gavin J. Gallagher. 
and you can stay up to date with all the projects I am working on by joining my tribe. Do that by adding your name and email over on my website, gavinjgallagher.com. That's all for now. See you back here next week. <music>